The following audio is from Central Christian Church, located in Portales, New Mexico. To connect with Central, go to centralwired.org. There is the Savior. Amen. His name is Jesus. Join your voice in time this morning. There is a
free, our firm foundation in Christ.
want you to keep in mind um, that thought of expecting to be with Jesus again. Um, hopefully not soon, but someday. Um, so I've got a couple of verses that I'll share with you as I go through this. Um, so the church is very good at um, this idea of grace. And uh, I want to continue by saying maybe too good. And I'll explain that a little bit. Um, but before I do, I want to share the, this thought that um, I'm guilty of being too good at grace as well. And uh, Paul wrote in 1 Timothy 1.15, Jesus came to save sinners of whom, of whom I'm the foremost. Okay, so I'm the most guilty probably. Um, so I want to break this up. There's God's part and then there's our part. Okay, and God's part, um, I was thinking this through, creation, garden, choice, a rescue plan, Jesus, the cross, the tomb, three days, resurrection, 40 days, Pentecost, the Holy Spirit. I'd say you played a pretty big part. Our part to utilize the power of the Holy Spirit to bring people to Christ. All right? Um, so salvation, I believe, is available to everyone. Um, but do we make it that way? Do we allow people this opportunity to be with Jesus again? Do we have this sense of urgency to um, share Jesus with everyone? Um, because I believe that we have this... Uh, like idea that if we live out a life that kind of reflects Jesus that will like shine and uh, and maybe they'll see like hey that guy looks like Jesus but there's a lot of people that have done really good things in this world and so in Matthew 5:14 through 16 he says you are the light of the world a city located on a hill cannot be hidden People do not light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before people so that they can see your good deeds and give honor to your Father in heaven. And so I looked up light, and light's used several different ways in there. But I looked up light in there, and it says to shine or make manifest the expression of God. And so... It's not just our good deeds, but it's like professing God. There's two different ways that that word is saying it's professing God. And so um, I believe it's our duty to profess God, not just with our deeds, but with our words also. That it's not just our pastors um, up here on Sunday. We can't just expect people to walk in the doors, but we have to... Um, we have to share it with people. There are people that are out there that we know that don't know Jesus, and we have to tell them. It's so good. We can't keep it a secret. And so um, I'm going to share with you a a how-to to do this. Um, in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 through 11, there's a, there's a pretty simple thing, and I've made uh, some bookmarks, um, and I, I can make some more, and I didn't bring them today, but I, I can bring them next time for you. Um, this is from a, a time that I had spoken this before. but um, So 
Now I want to make clear to you, brothers and sisters, the gospel that I preached to you, that you received on which you stand and by which you are being saved. If you hold firmly to the message I preached to you, unless you believed in vain, for I passed on to you the as of first importance that I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to, tw- then to the twelve, then he appeared to more than five hundred of the brothers and sisters at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, last of all, as though to be one born at the wrong time, he appeared also to me. And that's actually just um, one through eight. So there's a way like for us to remember. Christ died for our sins. He was buried and raised three days later. He appeared to one, then to some, then to a bunch, then to some more. So he, he like, it, it was done to a bunch of others, like, People saw him after he was resurrected. Then, how has he appeared to you? That's the most important thing. How has he shown up in your life? For me, he, re- he resurrected my marriage um, when it was falling apart. And some of you might know this. Um, and so, we need to find a way to share how he has resurrected your life. How, is it, how has he shown up in your life? And that's what, where we need to share Jesus People can know that he is alive and well, and that uh, he's alive in us as well. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your love, for your resurrection, for how you've appeared to everyone in this room. Lord, and if you haven't appeared to people in this room, Lord, uh, make yourself known today with this message, for with pastor's message, Lord. And Lord, send us this week. Help us to be brave. Help us to tell people about you. Give us the words to share the gospel so that more people can know you. We love you, we praise you, and worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. Why do we love that part of the movie so much? You know the movies when it's the speech, when it's the Everybody coming together. He says, make sure that they remember forever the night they played the Titans. The music builds up and everybody gets psyched up. My name is Maximus Decimus Meritus, commander of the armies of the north, loyal servant to the true emperor Marcus Aurelius, father to a murdered son, husband to a murdered wife, and I will have my vengeance in this life or the next. We get a little jacked up. We get all excited. Everything gets fired up. If you had one shot, one opportunity to seize everything you ever wanted, would you capture it? Let it slip by. You can hear the drums beating. My palms are sweaty. Knees are weak. My arms are heavy. Vomit on my sweater. Mom's forgetting. Are you quoting Eminem? Uh, (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Some of y'all are like... Stop, dude. Stop, man. I stopped there. It's all right. Yeah. But we love those parts of the movie. We want that moment where it starts to build up and then our guys start to win. Why? Because I believe we are wired to be inspired. 
Which brings me to this subject of anothering. Anothering is the theme we're working with this year. We're going to be in Hebrews chapter 10. If you're joining us online or on the radio, we're glad that you're with us at Central Christian Church in Portales. Uh, we're going to be Hebrews 10, uh, chapter 10, verse 19 is where we're going to start. I doubt anybody would argue with the fact that we are bombarded by images and ideas and information every day. And... If you look at the news or you look at the world or your Twitter feed or Instagram or Facebook, it's very easy to see all the wrong and how depressing that is to the mind and how it diminishes our soul. Well, where do you go to get lifted up in a broken down world? I think the Hebrew writer has some insight here. Join me in chapter 10, excuse me, starting verse 19. And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new life, new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with pure water. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. It was 1873, and Dr. Brewster Higley wrote a poem about his home state of Kansas. And that's all it really was, was a poem. Uh, His buddy Daniel Kelly was a violinist, and he set it to music. I got a hunch it wasn't a violin, it was a fiddle, because of what happened to this poem. Most of us don't know the history about it, we just know the chorus to it. What he wrote was, a home, my home, where the deer and the antelope play, where seldom is heard a discouraging word and the skies are not cloudy all day. Most of us just know it as an old cowboy song. There's actually seven verses to that song that we don't ever sing. We just sing the chorus. But there is a concept in there. There is a phrase in there that I think should be the rallying cry of the church. I ask this question, where do you go when everything is falling apart all around you? I think the Hebrew writer tells you clearly, you need to go to church. And the church should be a place where always is heard an encouraging word. He starts out in verse 20, the Hebrew writer, he says, we can go into the holy place. The most holy place. He's talking to Jewish people that understand we don't go in there if you were with us with the tabernacle. We don't go to that back room. Only the high priest goes to that room and only once a year. And he's saying, no, we can boldly go. We get to go in with a clear conscience because that's where hope is. When everything is unhopeful out here, that's where hope should be. And that's why I think anotherers should be the, the best encouragers. I think we should be consistent, intentional, and aggressive how we encourage. 
Now, you know, some of you might look at that aggressive. I mean, I don't think we beat people with it, but I, I think we are actively looking for ways to encourage. Do you realize that this particular one another is the one that the Bible talks the most about? I really argued with that. I was like, no, love one another is going to be more there. Love one another is only found 34 times. This is found 109 times in the New Testament. Seems like the writers might have wanted us to do this. Might have, be, might have wanted us to be specific about this. Because I think we are asked to do this more. It is a, an intentional outpouring of action. The Duke of Wellington was uh, a, a great warrior. He's the one that defeated Napoleon at the Battle of Waterloo. And later on in his life, he was being interviewed. He was a hard man, a strict man, a warrior, a, you know, very, very black and white. And they were interviewing him toward the end of his life, asking him questions about the Battle of Waterloo and what he would do differently. And they were really asking for military insight. He said, what would you do differently? And he said, I would do this. I would praise more. I would encourage more. Because it was such a big deal. Now, by definition, encouragement is not that shocking. Most of you know this. It is to come alongside and, and help lift up. It is an intentional expression to others. I love what Dennis said today. It is verbal. The gospel has always been verbal. We do need to live it out in our actions, but we need to speak it out in our words. The Bible says clearly, and you can write some of these down. You don't have to go to them right now. 1 Thessalonians 4 and verse 18 says, Encourage one another with these words. In the next chapter in verse 5, he says, Encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. And the verse that Lily shared with, her, with us earlier do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Now, I could go on and on and list a gob of verses, but the Bible is very clear. Encouragement is a very big deal, and it is something that everybody needs to do. But alongside of that, spirit-led encouragement is not just a bunch of compliments how good you look or how nice everybody is. It's not fake. It's honest. Hebrews 3 and verse 13 says, But encourage each other daily while it is still called today, so that none of you is hardened by sin's deception. I doubt any of us would argue that sin and the enemy is deceitful. Marie talked about tripping. There's always something to trip us up. Encouragement is a spiritual weapon with which we can battle that. When people are being tripped, we can be the ones that come alongside and push them to be better. Now, that is not judging somebody. That is not wagging a finger at them and saying, you better fix yourself. It's anothering alongside one another. It's the idea of carrying another's burdens. I can't carry all of your burdens I can carry you. I, I looked at one this week. I can't carry the burden of cancer for somebody. But I can stand beside them, can't I? I can help lift them up. We are members of one another. If one of us wins, we all win. You see, anotherers 
I think they see the damage that sin can do in the everyday. And we need to be aggressively looking for people we can help. And here's my why, I think. This is my opinion, and you can take it and throw it away if you want. I don't care. But I, I just don't think the devil is, is that concerned. I don't really know that the devil cares if we all turn evil. My concern is I think he just wants us indifferent. That we don't care. We don't care what's going on. Now, I get that from my love of C.S. Lewis's screw tape letters. I love this book. I've talked about it many times. If you haven't read this book, it's challenging. It's only about 90 or 100 pages. But what is going on in this book is screw tape is this high-ranking demon. He's he's up in the enemy's, you know, he's like a colonel or a general or something and his nephew is a guy named wormwood who's just come into the army and he's wanting to give him a leg up he's like i'm going to give you all the good stuff and if you'll follow my advice you'll climb the ladder you might be thinking how is that a christian book it really is it's incredibly brilliant how he puts this story together but there's one quote in there where he says i will see to it this is screw tape talking the 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 general i'll see to it that there's always bad people Your job, my dear Wormwood, is to ensure that there are people that just don't care. How easy is it in our culture to be bombarded by all this negative and to just get to where you just don't care? It's just, it's just a lot of work to go to church. It's a lot of effort to be nice. I just, it doesn't matter. Everybody keeps treating me like garbage anyway. You see, but the Hebrew writer says in verse 22, Your guilty conscience has been made clean. Our enemy keeps telling us you're worthless. You've messed up. You're you're not good enough. And my God is saying, no, come on into the most holy place. You have the power right here to beat that. Well, why then are so many people using the spiritual gift of discouragement? I say that sarcastically, that is not a spiritual gift. But I believe some are really, really gifted in that area. Why do people live in this mindset of discouragement? Why is it so natural for us to find wrong with others instead of good? Let me see if I can go off the subject for a second to get back to the subject. One of the things I've noticed in our community in the last couple of years is in, in little league sports and junior high and in all kinds of sports, we're seeing a real rash of not having enough referees and umpires. They've had to call off basketball games because there's not enough refs. Uh, Brian and Sarah Cox are very involved in little league. Uh, Dwayne Grinko is the head of the umpires association around here. And, and I've seen this in so many times that there's so many games, but they just can't get enough officials. I wonder why people aren't just jumping to get into that job. Could it be? I know this is not you, but could it be that they have seen some of us scream at them a lot? Is that feasible? Now, don't get, get me wrong. I have, I have been known to yell at the zebras a lot. Okay, I don't, I don't like them. I get, but, you know, I got to thinking this week. Their job, really, their job is to keep everything in a framework safe, right? 
safe, keep it fair for everybody. That's their job. Their job's not to hurt me. They hurt me, and I get angry, and I get it. Uh, but, but maybe, maybe that's because we're not thinking through everything. You hearing me? Maybe we're not letting our theology affect our our behavior. Friends, the world is full of discouraging words. We need to change that. Hebrews 10 verse 23 that we just read says, Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. Our hope is not in a win. Our hope is in our, our relationship with Jesus. That should affect how we live. And this church, this place, should be a place where always is heard an encouraging word. One of the chief purposes of, of the Christian assembly is mutual encouragement. Romans chapter 1, we studied this this week in our uh, Wednesdays in the Word. When we get together, I want to encourage you in your faith, but I also want to be encouraged by your faith. It is, it is mutually important. Most of you know Ken Broad. Yes? No? Some? Okay. Kenneth was the preacher here for a period of time, many, many years ago. When I took over as a preacher here, a lot of people said, Oh, you're a preacher at Ken's church. I said, Yes. And that's how it's always going to be. It's always going to be Ken's church. Jack and Pat Willis always lived in the Wallman house. That's it. There's just things that just stay there, right? And, and that's, I'm totally fine with that. Well, a few weeks ago, They come to first service. Shirley used to play our organ. Her health hasn't been so that she could. But they come to first service. And and so first service starts at 8.15. We sing some songs. We do communion. We we have our announcements. I'm just getting into preaching. And, and, you know, just a few minutes into it. And Ken gets up and walks out. And that'll do a number on your confidence, okay? Well, okay, it's no big deal. The next week, same thing happens. He gets up and walks out, and I'm like, man, I have messed up. i got to check. Am I so completely a heretic that he's just getting up and walking out? And I don't know what caused him to, but the Lord spoke to him. And the next week when we talked, he said, hey, by, by the way, Don, I want you to know, I'm not mad at your sermons. But Shirley needs a certain medicine, and it has to be given at 9 a.m. every day. And so I have to leave to go get it to her. And I'm sorry about that, but we watch online. They may be watching online right now. Well, you know what he did right there? He did two things encouraging. One, he encouraged me and my preaching. Number two, he encouraged all of us to take care of our loved ones. So encouragement is words, but it is action. I, I love the video that... Franklin Maidas are open for this one. Did you see Jerry and Carla leading our kids zone at at uh, the Beehive over here? You saw some other where some young people were out in the dirt. That was our Dominican Republic team. You saw other pictures of them putting up a tent. That was when we were putting up the tabernacle. I love that we see those things. We see our younger people up here on the praise team working in the booth, working down in kids zone. I love seeing that because it it works us together. And we have that, we sing a couple of songs and we have the coffee time. And I know you introverts don't like that. I get it. My wife's an introvert. She doesn't like it either. But we're not quitting it, okay? So you just got to deal with it. Now, you, you can still be an introvert and it's fine. Now, we're totally fine with that. But I believe hugs and high fives are biblical. I believe that time is us getting a chance to hang on to each other. 
Because you can worship, you can pray, you can sing in your own closet. But you can't one another without another. We come together to encourage each other. Now, if this was just a self-help book, if the Bible was just a self-help book, you wouldn't need this. But it's not. It is the character of Jesus that changes our character. Amen? So, I ask this question. What will encourage encouraging? And I just got to tell you, I love typing that because I think it broke the spell check on my computer. It's like, don't do that. And I, I mean, it just kept going, this is wrong. No. What would encourage encouraging? What would cause us? It says in verse 24, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. If I asked anybody on the street, would you like to be an encourager? I would bet nearly everyone would say yes. Well, what holds us back? Maybe it's I'm too busy. Maybe it's you've had one of those moments where I should go check on that person, but you just had too much to do. Anybody been there? I should text that person. I should call that person. I love the song that we sing for the one that even in just a smile, they would feel the Father's love. Friends, we have got to. I think the one thing that is holding us back as a collective from being the encouragers that God designed us to be is the self-absorption of our culture. Everything in our culture is built to be about me. Everything is about me. It's, it's an all-about-me perspective. I want the worship to be my way. I want the preaching to be my way. I want my clothes and my car and everything to be about me. You know what? That inspires no one. It absolutely inspires nothing. We are inspired when somebody puts the we above the me. In 2012, the Olympics were in London, and the USA had had a guy running. His name is Manteo Mitchell, and he was running the lead leg in the 4x400 relay. Uh, Cody knows all about this. This is 4x400 is... Four guys, each one runs a lap. See, she's crying. I said Cody, and, and you made him cry. It's uh, amazing. Four guys, each one runs a full lap, right? And Manteo is the, the lead dog. He takes the, the gun. He's down in the blocks. They, they go around. He shoots off. He goes first curve, second curve. He is in the back stretch. He's 200 meters into his run, and he heard and felt a pop. And what had happened, he had broken the bone in the back of his leg. Not fractured, not scratched, broken in half. And he stumbled and he kept running. I was watching a YouTube interview with him this week because I heard about this story. So I pulled it up and he he said this. Well, I just did what anyone else would do. I just kept running. Uh, (laughs) No, (laughs) you did what no one else would do. I would not, I would be laying in the, uh, crying, please someone take me to the hospital. No, that is not what anyone would do. But here's the problem. There's a couple of problems. First of all, this is the picture of him running that race early on in the race. This is a preliminary heat. It's not even the medal round. And if he doesn't finish strong, then the USA doesn't get a team into the medal round. And another problem, 
if they finish strong, if they make the medal round, there's no way he's going to be running in it. So do you realize he's running to to give somebody else the chance to medal? I think Mitchell had the perfect opportunity to pick the me over the we. And all of America would have gone, that's eh, all right, man. Totally cool. Uh, you did your best. It, life happens. You know, we, None of us would have been mad. But I loved watching this interview. He said, I just kept repeating the training, what we had been doing. Faith, focus, finish. Faith, focus, finish. It became my cadence. And he ran his lap in that 46.8 seconds. On a broken leg. That's insane. But you see, it teaches me something powerful. Anotherers realize we're not the only ones in the race. I loved seeing Joanne Vickers when Joanne would work hard to get here because she wanted to see other people. Miriam said that. Harrison Dean said that. They wanted to be here to see the young people. They wanted to encourage other people. We're not the only ones going through this. Yes, we are members of one another. Yes, we don't judge one another. Uh, Yes, we are doing everything we can to one another. But we've got to be the ones that build each other up. Scripture says, motivate to acts of love. We need to look for ways to act. Not just talk about it. Not just think about it. Act on it. I read a story of a 71-year-old man named Michael Nicholson that in 2019, he graduated from Eastern Michigan University with, you ready for this, his 29th degree. I was like, what? And he's 71 years old. He has, and I went and looked him up, he has 29 degrees, one bachelor's, two associates, 22 different master's degrees, Three specialist degrees, one Ph.D., not a single one of them is honorary. He earned them all. And as soon as they asked him, what are you doing next? He said he's going to start on his 30th degree. And now there's one part of me that's like, wow, that is amazing. And I was loving the story. I was like, this is fantastic. Until I read what one of his own professors said. He said it's interesting. He has no intention of using any of them. He just likes to learn. Now, don't get me wrong. I love learning, okay? I love learning, but isn't there a point where learning needs to go to work? <laughs> Is there a point where learning needs to, to get us into action? God is calling us to act, to be verbal about the gospel, to be intentional about our encouragement. The grace of God does, not, does more than just forgive our sins. If that's all it did, it would be fantastic, but it does so much more. It empowers us. It forms us into a new person. It is empowering you and me to be inspired to outdo others in encouraging. We need to be those people. You see, belief, real belief is going to lead us to action. Just knowing about it may or may not. We need to be the people that are are out of our way encouraging people. You've heard a lot about people going to Starbucks and paying it forward, and I'll pay the one behind me, you know, and all that stuff. And we hear all those, oh, it went for eight or nine hours. That's really great. You really want to help people in our community? Overtip. We should be the overtippers. Like, like way, way over. Not 15 or 20, 45 or 50. You're going, why? Because those are people that are working and they're muscling through, and we need to be helping those. 
every time I talk about knowledge and action, I'm drawn to the story Francis Chan tells about his teenage daughter. He walked by her room one day and said, you need to clean your room. She nodded and went on. And he went by a little while later, and she hadn't cleaned her room. He said, hey, I asked you to clean your room. She goes, yeah, Dad, I memorized what you said. Clean your room. I got it right here. I, I know it. it's in my heart. But I asked you to clean the room. So the next day goes by, the next morning, and she's still not cleaning her room. She's sitting on, there on her bed. Hey, you need to clean your room. Hey, Dad, I looked up what clean your room means from the original Greek. I understand it from the Greek. And I've called some of my friends. We're going to all meet together this afternoon. We're going to talk about what it would look like if we actually cleaned our rooms. You hearing me? Some of you are... Sometimes we do that too much. Sometimes we parsec everything out and we, we miss. Hey, go clean the room. Get to work. Anotherers need to look for opportunities to encourage and then we need to do it intentionally, aggressively, consistently. Grace changes my thinking about people. It, it affirms the worth and the dignity of every single human. And if it doesn't, then we're not getting the theology that Jesus taught. You hearing me? The gospel will not let me give up on anybody because it calls me to build up everybody. We need to practice being neighborly, being more positive than negative. You might be sitting there going, wait a minute, Don, you're just saying we need to be nice? Yeah, actually, that's, yeah. <laughs> but it's more than that. But we need, to, we need to be living that platinum rule. Do to others how Jesus treats us. How can we encourage this week? Maybe it's a text. Maybe you just right now, you pull out your phone, you start texting people. Hey, I'm in your corner. I appreciate you. I'm standing with you. Maybe it's people in this room. You can ignore what I'm saying for the next two minutes. It's fine. Maybe you don't like to text. Maybe it's a call. Maybe it's a visit. Maybe it's a card. We have people in our church that send cards all the time. Before we close, I want us to look at one more verse. I want you to turn over to Colossians chapter 4. On the back of your handout, there was one more verse, and we haven't read that. Most of Paul's letters finish out with Paul sending greetings from or saying greetings to somebody here. Talk about this. Talk about, you know, say hi to so-and-so. And so-and-so says hi. There's an interesting one here in Colossians chapter 4. It says, Tychicus will give you a full report about how I'm getting along. He is a beloved brother and a faithful helper who serves with me in the Lord's work. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, to let you know how we are doing and to encourage you. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to look at the name Tychicus. I don't know the first thing about Tychicus. I want you to put your name right there. God, send me to be an encourager. Send me where people are hurting. Open my eyes so that I can know how you are and I can encourage so I can tell how great you are, so I can encourage. I'm asking you today to pray this. Send me to be an encourager. Friends, we are wired to be inspired. So let's go inspire people. Let's go love them like you love us. Will you pray with me? 
God, we want to be your vessels. So send me. Send every one of us. Send us to love. Thank you for listening to audio from Central Christian Church in Portales, New Mexico. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. To connect with us, visit our website at centralwired.org.